Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday is a show where each and every single week I focus on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. Of course, Felony Friday is only one of three very unique shows that we have here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Every Monday, we have a show hosted by Mark Clare, where Mark interviews leading minds from the Liberty Movement. He hosts roundtable discussions. We have our great feature on Mondays about once a month called Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. It's a blast. It's a lot of fun. You heard a version of that last Monday with our Halloween episode, which was absolutely hilarious. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. Mark, Brian, Rico and JB did some fantastic impressions, and it was it was funny. It was it was a good job. Then, of course, every Wednesday we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by none other than Brian McWilliams, the very funny Brian McWilliams. And every Wednesday, Brian McWilliams is going to give you your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. You can get all three of these shows by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. Would really appreciate it if wherever you do subscribe, if you would go and give us a nice five-star rating and leave us a review because, of course, that helps us out so much with the algorithms they use to determine which podcasts are growing and sinking and rising and falling. And iTunes, out of those three, is the most important. So even if you don't listen on iTunes, it would really be cool if you could go over to iTunes and give us a little five-star rating, leave a nice review, it would be fantastic and a great help to us. This episode of Felony Friday, ladies and gentlemen, I have a returning guest coming on, and I'll talk about my guest in a minute here. You're going to love this story. This is the 96th episode of Felony Friday, so that means you'll be able to find the show notes at lionsofliberty.com FF96. My guest today is Aaron Comey. Aaron is a libertarian running for mayor in New York City. This is Aaron's second time on Felony Friday. He first appeared way back on episode number 26. And on that episode, Aaron discussed in depth his controversial past. Very controversial past. You see, Aaron spent more than a decade in federal prison. And he spent that time in prison behind bars in the federal system without ever being convicted. The incident that sent Aaron into the federal system was detailed in a recent New York Post article titled, New York City Mayoral Candidate Once Tried to Hijack an Airplane. And that, of course, that hijacking took place 17 years ago. Aaron spent more than a decade behind bars. Aaron admits at the time that he was severely mentally ill, and he went in-depth about that whole incident, about his mental illness, his recovery from it. He went in-depth into that on his last episode of Felony Friday, so please go back and listen to that. We're not going to go as in-depth on this episode. Ultimately, from that incident, Aaron was charged with five crimes, including attempt to commit aircraft piracy. 
As I said, he was never convicted of a crime. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity in 2003, but he remained in the system until January 2015. And because of his experience, that is a big reason why Aaron is running for mayor now today. Per Aaron's website, votecomey.com, his campaign is focused on reforming the very criminal justice system that did him wrong. He wants to reform education as well, and he seeks to improve economic conditions for low-wage and middle-wage families by increasing opportunities so they're able to escape poverty through entrepreneurship and small business ownership. Aaron, welcome back to Felony Friday. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for coming back on. And, you know, the reason I wanted to have you on, we we talked last week and obviously there was a article published about your campaign in the New York Post talking about your past, talking about the hijacking incident. And other than the headline, uh, the headline was attention grabbing, you know, saying New York City mayor candidate tried to hijack a plane or something along those lines. I thought it was a pretty... For all things considered, it was sort of a fair article. They gave you a chance to to address the issue. So let's just start off talking about that. How did that article come about? But how were you approached? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It was. Uh, I, I thought it was a rather fair, fairly written article as well. Um, in on last week, um, I had gotten an email from a reporter um, asking me to contact him. Um, so when I I got on the phone, contacted him. And the first question he asked me is, are you the same Aaron Comey that was arrested July 28, 2000? And I said, yes. And like, he was just shocked. You know, he was like amazed. I, I, I don't know. I guess he thought I was going to deny it or something. <laughs> and I said, no, no, it's, it's me. And he says, well, how is nobody talking about this? I said, your guess is as good as mine because I've been you know, upfront, open about it, uh, but yet the media hasn't picked up on it. Um, so now the reporter, he, you know, he started asking me questions, uh, and you know, I was, I was just answering them, and he was, it was a very neutral, uh, uh, you know, interview conversation. So uh, I wasn't surprised at all by the tone. So it was, you know, the tone of the article that he wrote fit the tone um, of our interview. Um, and I was, you know, he gave me the opportunity to, to give my side of the story, to tell, uh, explain why I'm in the race and, you know, how I think my past um, can impact the race and, and my candidacy. So, Aaron, I mean, I, I think the response to this that I've seen, at least on social media, has been kind of interesting, at least looking at libertarians from all across America and different Facebook groups, how, how they've responded to it. A lot of people, you know, have looked at it. This is the way I look at it, too. I think it's a great story of redemption. All you've overcome you know, to come this far from really the injustice that you suffered from that we talked about uh, so much the last time you were on this show. But there's also this other group of libertarians and probably people just just in society that that look at this and think that your past, uh, this this incident, um, your time in prison sort of disqualifies you for the position of uh, running for mayor of New York City. So how would you address that that second group, the group that thinks that because of your past, you're you're disqualified? Um, well, I, I look at it uh, a couple of different ways in terms of a lot of the libertarians are coming from 
um, that, that feel that way, I think, are coming from an, a position of they're worried about what they think other people will think. And I have to tell them, stop doing that. Because I, I see too, too many times um, libertarians coming out harder against um, our, ourselves and, and being harder on ourselves than the public would otherwise be. And it can actually influence public uh, opinion um, negatively. And so I would suggest to, 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 to libertarians to stop, wait, and get a post for how um, the public actually views things. Because I think they'll find, especially specifically like in this case, a lot of people are much more understanding a lot than you know people might automatically assume. A lot of people have dealt with or know people who have dealt with mental illness, so they can sympathize uh, and, and empathize with, with, with certain struggles. Um, and from a criminal justice standpoint, there's, there's so many people that are just not satisfied with the system that they will look at this and, and actually realize that this is something that makes me more uh, interesting to them, somebody to take a second look at. But there are some who will say, you know, no, that's, um, this, this disqualifies, just disqualifies me and makes me unfit for public office. And some people I won't be able to convince. But to others, I, I'll say, you know, um, I'll explain my story in terms of not just my arrest, but how going through the, the criminal justice system showed me so much about uh, what, what individuals who are, some individuals who are uh, uh, being sentenced unjustly, who are being railroaded, um, and, and aren't receiving the, the, the rehabilitative services that they're supposed to, um, the kinds of things that I saw that nobody, that most people aren't aware of. Um, I think that I would, you know, explain to those individuals, I have a unique insight that could make, uh, make me an invaluable asset to the community in shedding light on things that most of us aren't aware of. So is, is that one of the reasons, one of the major drivers which caused you to seek this position? Yeah, that's, that's definitely one of them. Um, I can think of certain guys that were inside. Um, and like one guy comes to mind who had a life sentence and he was constantly fighting um, his case. And he would file paperwork. And I know how the procedures were supposed to go. But I've seen too, too many times courts just ignore the procedures because they can. And I was seeing it so much in his case. And that, like, his, his story is one of the ones that makes me say, I can't just come outside, um, you know, leave the prison walls and forget about, you know, guys that are, you know, left back inside. I have to keep fighting. I have to do something to shed light on the problems within the system. Um, to help guys, him and guys like him. Have you gotten any uh, 
know, like what type of feedback have you gotten from people, especially with with related to that message you're just talking about, about criminal justice reform? So out talking to the people of New York City, what type of response do you get when you bring that up? Oh, I get I get a very positive response. Um, individuals I've spoken to individuals who are affiliated with organizations, um, you know, that, that are devoted to criminal justice. And they're the first thing I get is is like shocked, like, wow, you were you were in you know prison for all that time and you were never convicted um then empathy and then you know it's there's a common ground for us to work on uh work together on in trying to find some kind of solutions um and working on on addressing issues that need to be fixed within the criminal justice system uh a lot of people are shocked to find out that the system is so flawed because we just, we're used to seeing, you know, law and order and in law and order, the bad guys go to prison then the good guys get, you know, they, they get off. Uh, so it, it's, the reality is very different. And uh, I have seen, met a lot of people that are, their eyes have been opened to, to, to realize that the system actually operates differently than we believe it does. I want to pivot just for a moment uh, to talk about the nominating process to get into this position. Um, I'm, I'm a Libertarian Party member. I became one about a, about a year ago, I think, and I'm starting to get involved locally. I'm in, I'm in Pennsylvania. But maybe a lot of our listeners aren't familiar with the process of how these things work. So how does it work? Someone like yourself decides they want to run for mayor of their city. Your city happens to be the largest city in the United States. What kind of steps have to be uh, you know, put forward? And were there other people competing to get this, to get nominated, to become uh, the representative for the LP for mayor of uh, New York City? Yes. Um, yeah, there were other people. And um, originally there was one guy who was um, the front runner, and at that point, I hadn't yet, I hadn't even yet decided that I was going to run for mayor. Um, I, had, I was of the mind that I was going to run for something, but I hadn't decided what, because I wanted to be more involved. And um, after hearing, you know, some of his ideas, I realized that we really needed a better representative for the ELP, someone that actually. You know, some of his ideas, I, I don't think were, they, I'm not going to say I don't think, they weren't libertarian. <laughs> what, what were some of the ideas? Can you give an example? If I can remember, like, he was for stop and frisk. <laughs> he, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, I remember at one point, he's, during the, the nominating process, he's asked, how do you feel about stop and frisk? And he goes, yes, I'm for stop and frisk. I think it's uh, important. It, it's, it's a useful and they say, okay, wait, wait, maybe, maybe you didn't hear the question right. How do you feel about stop and frisk? And he doubled down. He couldn't grasp that, especially to a room full of libertarians, that wasn't a good position. Um, <laughs> and he, he didn't have a, a, a great deal of respect for the Libertarian Party overall. Um, in fact, at, during the nomination part, process, he starts, you know, go, yeah, and I should, he, he, he seemed very full of himself, so that didn't help his case any. Um, and 
one of the things I really wanted to make sure we did was have somebody representing at the top of the ticket that would shine the light on the rest of the ticket. Um, because I think that was a significantly missed opportunity um, in 2016, where we had uh, a very high profile presidential candidate that could have, you know, when he was in New York, he could have shined light on um, Alex Merced's campaign. He could have shined light on Lily Tang's campaign. He could have, there was many other individuals throughout the country that were running that could have been given a leg up um, by the top of the ticket shedding light on them. And that's one of the things I saw um, an opportunity by me running for uh, El, uh, the mayor um, I could do to the rest of our ticket here in New York. So to talk about New York specifically, talk about the politics there, obviously you're running for mayor. So I think that's that's important. And obviously the mayor of New York City right now is Bill de Blasio. And he said some pretty outlandish things, even for a Democrat and a, a Democrat who leans socialist, I would say. Recently, there was an, uh, an article, an interview that was published. I, for, I forget what uh, what paper it was in, but he was advocating for saying that New Yorkers want the city government to plan their life, plan their you know plan where they live, plan where they work. They want more involvement. Do you think that is that true? First of all, and second of all, how is a libertarian uh, running for mayor supposed to overcome that, or how can you overcome that if New York, New, if the citizens of New York don't even want liberty? I don't think it's that the citizens of New York don't want liberty. I think that policies have been put in place that are so disastrous that. You know, people's people are suffering so much that they'll say, OK, as long as you're willing to help, um, as long as you're willing to save us without realizing that the the person that they're looking to save them is the person that put them in that position in the first place. Um, and I think that's why you have, you know, uh, politicians like uh, de Blasio that just put these these horrible policies forward because they know it will create dependency upon the government. Um, so I think he, it's beneficial, uh, for instance, if they raise the minimum wage to $15 and a lot of people lose their jobs and, um, their, their, uh, their wages, their, their, their workloads increase. Once all of this stuff happens, I think it's beneficial for a politician like him because now people are suffering and he can say, oh, well, here, let me solve this problem despite the fact that he helped create it. Um, and so I don't think people are afraid of liberty or, or even don't want liberty. They just don't, they're just basically being manipulated um, by somebody who's creating a problem and then offering a solution which creates more problems and it's uh, a jo job, job security um, that basically these bad politicians are insuring for themselves. 100% agree with you. And we've talked about it on the federal level on, on past shows and referred to, you know, the state has sort of built up a, uh, a game of Jenga where they have, you know, different policies or different policies are intertwined with each other. And, you know, as a libertarian coming in, if they say, you know, we, we need, if we say we need to get rid of this policy, then they can point to, well, that's going to harm these people. But with that being said, 
obviously you eventually want to roll everything back and you want to take the entire uh, Jenga board game apart piece by piece. When, when that's done, it's assuming you, you, you pull it out right and it doesn't all fall down, you wouldn't harm people. Right. So the, the question I want to ask is what are one or two of those Jenga pieces that you think in, in your opinion, that you could pull out, you know, say you're elected mayor of New York City tomorrow, what could you do on your first day? What Jenga pieces could you pull out that would expand liberty, but would also not uh, harm people in the short term? Exactly. Yeah, that, and I, I really like that position because that's one of the things that I know is necessary to approach it with with thinking about people. Because if if I just pull out, you know, like you said, the Jenga pieces and people get hurt. They'll say, oh, it's because libertarianism is horrible. But we have uh, being smart about it and uh, picking certain things um, like criminal justice. So I think the, the first thing I can do on day one is instruct the police to stop arresting people for nonviolent crimes without a victim. So just basically disbanding um, all, you know, drug task force, um, uh, vice task force and reforming, um, refocusing police efforts on violent crime, um, anti-terrorism, and um, these these sorts of things, I and mean, property crimes, to make sure that, boom, now you have people not being arrested for, you know, possession of marijuana, smoking marijuana, um, prostitution, these things, and it's, it's increasing people's liberty, it's stopping from destabilizing, um, you know, our most vulnerable communities. And it's giving the, the police, you know, a break. It's not putting too much on your plate so y'all can focus on what you need to focus on without having to um, be overextended. I think that's a, that's a great answer. That's the same thing I would say also on the federal level. We could end the drug war tomorrow. But to play devil's advocate, because you know you're going to have constituents out there who are going to disagree with you, what would you say to people who respond to your answer right there and say, well, people would be, you know, just doing drugs on the street and the streets would be overrun with, with drug drug users and it would it would make life less safe and, uh, and more dangerous? Well, I would say that right now there's um, so much attention being paid to, you know, uh, drug crimes and, you know, possession and the, these crimes. That, that don't themselves create victims that we're missing um, and, and, and leaving unsolved many of the crimes, these violent crimes that do actually do have victims. And so I'm saying is I'm not advocating for to let people hurt, rob, rape people. I'm saying let's focus police efforts on that, on these violent crimes. And if somebody is able to use drugs without hurting somebody, then they shouldn't, then they, they're not going to be affected. They shouldn't be affected. They shouldn't be locked up. Um, they shouldn't be pulled away from their family um, because that's actually going to hurt us in the long run. If you have, you know, men and women being pulled out of their communities, kids growing up without proper guidance and then going astray, joining gangs, um, that's a, actually is what hurts us rather than um, just letting people make the personal choices for themselves that aren't harming others. 
Yeah, that's that's a great point, and it's hard for me to to put myself in the opposing view on that since for so for so long I've been for <laughs> legalizing drugs. But I think it's a worthwhile exercise to go through, and I always go back to and reference. I remember uh, presidential debates. I think it was in 2012 with uh, with Ron Paul. And the debate debate moderator, you know, turns to Ron Paul and says, "Dr. Paul, you're for legalizing drugs. Would you legalize heroin? Like a like a gotcha question. Like, oh, we got you. Do you want to legalize heroin?" And Ron Paul responds, "Yes, of course I would. Are, are you afraid you'll do it if I did?" <laughs> and the people in the audience start booing. He's like, "I guess all these people are afraid they'll start doing heroin tomorrow if it was legal." But I mean, that's that's the point. It's not like. It's going to cause some huge drug epidemic. Actually, the opposite will occur is if you make it a health issue rather than a criminal justice issue, people can actually get treatment and you won't have tainted heroin on the streets. And eventually, hopefully, you can open up you know, places where people can go to like they do in Switzerland. I'm sure you've heard of this. They have clinics in Switzerland and they're starting to do it in Canada. And I'm not saying it's the best way to do it to be directed by the government. Ideally, you want it to be fully privatized. But Better, it's better than to not have it at all, where heroin users, people using these types of drugs, can go and get safe heroin uh, where they won't OD, and then they can wean themselves off of it slowly. It's always good to remember that where these people are coming from and where that opposition comes from. So I, I want to pivot again and just ask you, as a libertarian in New York City, I know the, the last libertarian candidate for mayor, I looked it up, I think they got, it was well less than 1% of the vote. How would you define success as a as a libertarian in this race? I think if I can get people, new people to the party that weren't weren't necessarily interested in the party before, that's success. Um, so I'm, I haven't even conceptualized a vote total for myself um, because, and, and that that's actually one of the things. If I can, if I can spot shed the light on, you know, Alex Merced who's running for comptroller, um, Devin Balkin who has an app for, you know, um, for government that actually allows people to have inputs into what government does and see transparency um, and see w- what government's up to, or Brian Waddell for Manhattan Borough Presidents, if they have good totals, then I feel that that that's success because if um, because I, I really think that that was that was one of the main focuses of me even getting in the race is to making sure that um, I can use the attention that people give a mayoral candidate to push liberty, liberty um, and liberty as a as a as a concept and in the the form of these other candidates that have um, really good shots at actually winning. I think that's that's important, and I think it's an opportunity that we missed as libertarians with the presidential election, is we didn't have a not. To, uh, I keep going back criticizing Gary Johnson and Bill Weld because we've done it a lot here at Lions of Liberty, but I think it's deserved. We didn't have presidential candidates at our highest office who really did that, who pushed down and really tried to help their down ticket candidates and draw attention to them. So I think it's it's noble. I think it's a, it's a great thing uh, that you're doing that and you have that in mind as a as an objective going into this campaign. 
Next question I want to ask you, and this comes from one of our Lions of Liberty Pride members. And for those listening, you can join the Lions of Liberty Pride by going to lionsofliberty.com support. We have a bunch of bonus content we produce there. Um, Aaron, I, I think I asked you before, but are you willing to come on after this show and do five, ten minutes of uh, some bonus content yeah, for our Pride? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. So we'll have that with Aaron after after this. You'll have to join the Pride to hear it. But this question is from Marty Milligan, and he starts out with a statement saying that it's about time that New York City has a mayor with street cred. Do you think that your experience, the experience you had in your past with spending all that time uh, behind bars without a conviction, does that give you a unique perspective on city bureaucracy? And can you give an example? Yes, um, I definitely believe it gives me a uh, uh, perspective with the bu- bureaucracy. Um, I think one of the examples is you'll have these administrative groups that are supposed to basically police their their own. Um, so if you have um, a council of judges that's supposed to watch other judges and make sure that they're not out of line, I personally experience how that in in theory that sounds great but you need to actually watch what they're doing um and in in my personal experience the the judicial council that was you know in place there's no transparency to it um they don't release records they don't even let people know um you know who these complaints you know who, 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 which judges are received complaints or what the outcome of these complaints are. And so that total lack of transparency is the reason why that judicial counsel can say, yes, um, like fewer than 1% of judges ever have been, you know, um, censured because there's no transparency and no accountability to, to ensure that they're actually accurately and fairly um, examining, you know, complaints against judges. So I I know that in the city bureaucracy, we've got, you know, certain watchdog agencies, but we need to watch the watchdogs and make sure they're fully transparent, that people can get access to, you know, the information and the procedures that they're uh, using to uh, evaluate uh, complaints against, you know, whether it's officers, whether it's prosecutors, whether it's judges, um, and even politicians uh, need to be watched much closer. I like that. Watch the watchdogs. And <laughs> transparency is all is always a good thing. We absolutely need more transparency in in all parts of government. Just uh, just one more question, and then we'll. Uh, move on to the the pride segment after that. So this one comes from uh, my colleague here at Lions of Liberty, Mark Clare, and he asks you. I guess I guess it's more than one question, but he asks you how, how often are you asked about the hijacking incident, and how do you respond to those people, everyday New Yorkers, when they ask you on the campaign trail? What's your you know your elevator pitch response for for back of a letter, lack of a better term? My elevator pitch to the um the, the hijacking incident? Yeah, okay. yeah, if, if, if somebody asked you about it, yeah. Um, well, basically that um, at the time I was, th- there was a time when I was um, severely ill 
um, and my my arrest was completely justified. But then I got to see how even when the government starts something with a legitimate aim and a legitimate you know um, foundation, how quickly things can go off the rails. And um, that's exactly what happened to me, where I was legitimately arrested and I was acquitted. And then somebody with an agenda because of government's lack of transparency and just this this lack of accountability, somebody with an agenda or with a vendetta was able to just disregard the rule of law, you know, constitutionality, their own regulations and just keep me incarcerated for years. Um, and how even the system, these checks and balances that are supposed to exist within the system didn't operate properly because uh, there's there's so much uh, of of one side not actually acting as a check or balance, but just acting as a rubber stamp for the bad actions of another agency. And that's 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 what actually woke me to the need for us to get more involved in government. Because a lot of people are sick of politics, but politics runs every aspect of our lives. So if we're sick of politics, that's more of a reason for us to get involved to change politics. The, the more I think about this, you running for mayor with the the experiences you've seen firsthand, the injustice you've seen firsthand from the criminal justice system, I think it, it's 100% to your benefit, it, it should help you. Because... Even those people that, that are skeptical, um, people that otherwise would never even know your name, see this article in, in the New York Post and they read it and it's it's just going to get them thinking, you know, what did, what, what did this guy experience? What did he suffer from? Why is he so motivated now after all he's been through to, to run for mayor? And I mean, it's I think it, it really can serve to get people thinking. And I really got to commend you for, you know, this is really, in my mind, a story of redemption. Uh, you, everything you've overcome to get to this point, it's it's really just just incredible. And I want to give you, you know, before we do our pride segment here, I want to ask you to please let the Felony Friday audience know where they can learn more about your campaign, where they can donate to it and uh, volunteer. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, my my website is votecomey.com. V O T E C O M M E Y dot com. Um, I have. Uh, they can sign on, they can donate, they can volunteer the sections to do it. I have a, my Facebook page, also at Vote Call Me, and my Twitter page. Um, and I also want to just quickly, um, there's, a, there's another candidate running. He's in the 2nd District. His name is Don Garrity. Uh, very, very good ideas for you know, lowering property taxes, getting government out of people's lives. I don't want to forget about him. Okay, awesome, Aaron. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and I'll link to all your sites on the show notes page as well. Hey, guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. 
This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. What a story Aaron Comey has, guys. Just just phenomenal. Really, a story of redemption. A great story for a libertarian. Um, you know, it really gives no excuse to people out there, libertarians out there, people who love liberty. It gives you no excuse on not getting active. I mean, you look at the past that Aaron Comey has that he has to answer to. Hijacking an airplane, severe mental illness, overcoming all of that. Just a fantastic a fantastic story. It gives you no excuse. It gives you absolutely no excuse. You know, a lot of libertarians out there are quick to criticize. And when I saw Aaron's when I saw the story about Aaron published in the New York Post, um, saw in a couple different libertarian Facebook groups, people speaking out. One of those Facebook groups, of course, the Lions of Liberty Forum, which you can join by going to Facebook and punching Lions of Liberty Forum in the search bar at the top, and we'll get you we'll get you in as long as you're a real person and look like you're not a psychopath. But a lot of people were saying in these libertarian forums that, you know, this is a bad look for libertarians. He's not qualified. It's it's a bad look. It's it's bad to have to explain that you know, our candidate for mayor has this past and he hijacked an airplane and he was he was mentally ill. And, you know, some people said yeah, it's, it's good that he's recovered and he's out and he he wants to work, but he shouldn't he shouldn't run for office. And I could not disagree with that more. No, it's no coincidence that a lot of people who were saying that, I think, were a lot of the same people who supported a safe libertarian presidential ticket of Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, that's the safe ticket. The two governors, they're the two best governors that friends could ever be, or, <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, they're qualified. They were governors. Aaron Comey doesn't have the political experience, doesn't have really a whole lot of uh, you know business experience, but he does have experience in our criminal justice system. He has experience seeing how corrupt it is, how bureaucratic, how broken, how non-transparent and that's what we need. We need people in the government who have suffered injustice from the government. Who better to change the system of government? Who is more credible than someone that has suffered injustice? Come on, people. We got to wake up to this, man. And even outside of that, how incredible of a story is it to point to, to draw attention to the ideas of liberty? It's it's amazing. And, you know, I'm proud of Aaron Comey. I'm very proud to have him back on this show to talk about his run for mayor. And I really hope that the listeners of this program will share this episode, will support Aaron Comey. Has he made mistakes? Of course. Was he severely mentally ill at one time in his life? Yes, he was. He's recovered now. I think you can tell by by hearing him today that he's a very logical and 
intelligent man. And you can hear more from him. You can hear more of his background and what drove him to liberty. And you can learn more about who Aaron Comey is if you join the Lions of Liberty Pride. Because I did record a bonus segment with Aaron Comey. About 10 minutes and I'll release that. It's released right now in the Lions of Liberty Pride. So go join the Lions of Liberty Pride. Go to lionsofliberty.com slash support for 25 bucks a month. Obviously, you get all of our exclusive content. You get two free t-shirts, a koozie, big discount in our store. And also, you get a monthly conference call with us every single month to give us feedback on the show or just shoot the ship with us. If you can't afford that, that's fine. We have a $10 level, which does not have the call has one shirt that we give you. And then at the $5 level, if you can't afford the 10, that's fine. That's great. Would love to have you at $5. You get all the bonus contents. You get all the bonus content still. You don't get, however, the free t-shirt. But wait a minute. Hold on. I forgot. We are running a special right now. I almost forgot. Up until November 10th, we have a special for the Lions of Liberty Pride. If you join before November 10th, if you join for at the $10 level, we will tack on, we'll give you, in addition to everything else you're already getting, we'll give you a free poster. You can pick the Lions of Liberty design or Felony Friday design, whatever you want. If you join at the $5 level, we'll give you a free koozie. And the koozies are no longer available in the Lions of Liberty store. The only way you're going to get a koozie is by joining before November 10th at the $5 level or joining at the uh, the $10 level or $25 level, you get a free koozie there as well all the time. So great time to join the Pride. You got some free perks. So really, really consider joining. And guys, that is, that's all I have. You know, share this podcast, spread the word. Uh, fantastic, uh, Aaron Comey, a fantastic guy, a great voice for liberty. I want to thank you all for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up. And the fires of liberty burning.